It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues. Choose as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Guess what day it is? Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. It indeed is hump day. Welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we're having important conversations about important things out there. And yes, indeed, it is it is Wednesday. So what a great show that we have planned for you today. We're going to go through some headlines here in segments one and two. Segments three and four, Jonathan Lesser, who is the president of Continental Economics, is going to talk about his piece uh, uh, called Short Circuit, the High Cost of Electric Vehicle Subsidies. So this is going to be a really important conversation, particularly here in Colorado, because we have politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties that are trying to force people out of uh, the vehicles that we like into vehicles that they want people to drive. And so this is a really important conversation uh, to have. And that segues right into what we're talking about every day. Studies show that people prefer freedom. <laughs> and the, and the, on the other hand, we see this romance with socialism. A lot of our young people think that socialism is social, but actually socialism is not social because socialism is force. And so the question whenever you're looking at any of these issues out here is freedom versus force, force versus freedom. It's never compassionate to take other people's rights, their property, or their freedom via force, whether that's with a weapon, with public policy, or unpredictable and excessive taxation. Steve, do you agree? I get a chuckle when you uh, say studies show that people prefer freedom. I mean, there's a little irony (laughs) there because of the degree that freedom is taken for granted. That the basis assumption is that, oh, well, whatever we got going on here, that's the way it is all over. And it's not. Not. It's not. And, uh, yes, pe- uh, people prefer freedom. That is why you see people storming the b- border to try to get into America when they could just actually waltz right into Venezuela if they wanted to. And you can see right there, people prefer freedom versus force. So there you have it. And when we are talking with our neighbors and our colleagues, you know, the kids are home from from uh, college, and so many of them have been indoctrinated regarding socialism. And uh, young uh, Stephen Stephen Kessler, Ph.D., uh, millennial, he says these are three questions to kind of have a litmus test when we're talking to people. So when somebody is out there advocating to give money to, you know, whatever, first of all, do they have any skin in the game? Yesterday when we had Natalie Minton on, when we were talking about Tabor, the Taxpayer's Bill of Rights, uh, there's going to be a real assault on trying to to basically get rid of the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, which is something that the people put into the Constitution here in Colorado saying, hey, government, hey, government, politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties, if you want to, A, raise taxes on us, 
B, if you want to incur debt, or C, if you want to take our tax refunds, and, and this is above a very generous formula that government gets to keep of population plus inflation. Hey, if you want to do any of those things, you just need to have the good manners to ask us. So if somebody is at, out there advocating uh, that, uh, in, and this is Proposition CC, that's, that would give the, the state of Colorado the permission to keep our excess tax refunds forever, just say, hey, what are are you just writing your? Are you leaving your tax refunds with the uh, with the state? You can actually go ahead and just write them an extra check. So, do you have any skin in the game, or is it that you want to take my refunds? That's the real question. Secondly, are we yanking? Uh, are we building people up, or are we yanking them down? And you felt good, but did you do good? Those are three important questions. They're a great litmus test. Uh, Steve, your comment. The last one. You felt good, but did you do good? Uh, we t- talked about this before, but it's a great illustration. Former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With his quest, he's giving up his own money to prematurely shut down coal-fired plants across the country. Now, I'm sure he feels real good about that, mm-hmm. but, but how much good is he really doing? So what, what, in essence, they're doing is they are increasing the cost of energy. Uh, reliable, affordable, and efficient energy for everyday, hardworking Americans. And when when you are honest about these uh, coal-fired plants here in America, we have clean coal here. Our, our, there's, there's very little residue that comes out of those plants. If he wants to really shut down some plants, then he needs to go over to China and India where those are the ones that are really um, uh, uh, polluting the air. So if, that, if that's what, if he's really serious about it, to your point, but he's, he's virtue signaling, he's saying, I, I feel good, but he's not doing good. So it's an excellent question. Back to Tabor for a second. We talked about this in the, in the coffee room yesterday. Our charter in doing this show is to inform, and I asked you, it's like, how many new people to Colorado? You know, we, we know that we're importing many people due to our booming economy or even as simple as the legalization of marijuana. Mm-hmm. They're coming in droves. How many know what Tabor means? How, you know, they hear the term and it just, it's gone. It's there one second, gone the next. Until you start telling them what Tabor does for them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is up to us to educate. Well, it is. And that's why we talk about it a lot here. So when we say it's up to us to talk about this, that's why we do the show is to hopefully empower you to talk to your neighbors and your colleagues and uh, your family about this. So, again, Tabor is just about good manners. It's just about consent. It says, hey, politicians, bureaucrats, interested parties, you want to raise our taxes, you want to incur debt on that we have to pay off, or if you want to keep our tax refunds over this very generous formula, you just have to ask us. But what's going to be on the ballot this November is Proposition CC, where the, the, the proposition is, is that, hey, uh, everyday hardworking Coloradans, we, the state of Colorado, don't want to have to ask you every year about these excess or, or about these uh, tax refunds. We want you just to give it to us forever. And, Steve, we really didn't make this point yesterday. Um, Patty had mentioned something, Patty Kurgan, who was our, our guest chick yesterday. She had mentioned that when a baby is born here in, Colorado, or here in America right now, with the national debt, that baby owes 67, 000, between sixty six and $67,000 to pay off that national debt. And... 
you know, Steve, one of the other things that I do is this uh, World War II project. And I'm learning so much as we, we start to look at this, at the generations of the American ideal, from the Revolutionary War to, Gettys- to the Civil War, Gettysburg, to World War I, World War II, is that these people were willing to step up and put on the line their, their blood and their treasure. And the reason being is so that they, we could pass something good to the next generation, and that good is freedom, which, again, surveys show that people would prefer freedom. And, Steve, you and I have our, our generation. We really are going to need to take a gut check here because instead of passing on more freedom to the next generation, we have let uh, many of the cultural institutions, uh, s- such as um, you know media, Hollywood, education, we've let them get by with with actually denigrating the American idea and not teaching how important freedom is. And in and while doing all this, we've been incurring all this debt that all these kids are going to have to pay off. And we have to do a gut check on our generation and say, hey, are we going to step up and are we going to go to work so that we can pass something good to this next generation or are we going to give them a big fat IOU? What do you think, Steve? I think I'm looking at the U.S. Debt Clock, uh, usdebtclock.org, and I would counsel anyone who goes to this website to hold your breath before you hit the enter key. Current U.S. debt is $22.4 trillion, uh, but they have it broken down. Debt per citizen, $68,000. Debt per taxpayer, $182,000. That is, uh, that's unvirtuous that we are doing that. That's unconscionable. And we need to be having a conversation about that. And this debt has occurred under both Democrats and Republicans because politicians have just kicked that can down the road. And uh, we, we're going to need to buck up on that. And I think we're going to have a conversation. We'll talk about that really on Friday because Brian Dimitrovic will be on. Uh, he wrote that book with Larry Kudlow, JFK and the Reagan Revolution. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk about that on Friday. And here I got, I got into all this, and I didn't even get everything set up. So a I, I, couple of things. First of all... Sorry, I led you astray. <laughs> yeah. First of all, we um, have a winner for our World War II flight, and that is John Medford. And he is very, very excited. And so he's going to get to fly on one of the bombers uh, up at the Loveland Airport on Friday morning. I get to fly on one of them in the afternoon. It's either going to be a B-17, a B-24, or a B-25. But um, if you're not a winner, and we had a lot of people that entered the contest, and thank you so much, but you actually can purchase a ride on one of these flights up there. It is a bit of an investment. Uh, It looks like for the B-17 or the B-24, the flight's $450. For the B-25, it's $400. Now, Steve, I don't think that it's not in my budget, but I'm not sure it's in my tummy that I could do this either. But you can fly a P-51 Mustang. It'll cost $2,400 for a half hour. But one of the, uh, one of the uh, entries into the contest said that they flew on one of the bombers. They were in China, they said, and they said it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So I would highly recommend you take the family out this weekend to the Northern Colorado Regional Airport. It'll be starting about 1 or 1.30 on Friday afternoon. You'll see the bombers coming in. 
and uh, they're going to have a complete World War II camp. There's going to be, you know, reenactors. There's going to be tanks, uh, or at least one tank, jeeps, and that doesn't cost anything. Now, the planes do cost um, something to ride in those, but uh, there's a lot of things that are going to be free. This is brought in by the Collings Foundation, and uh, so I would uh, recommend you go up. I'm going to be up there on Friday afternoon and also on Saturday morning because they're going to have a number of World War II veterans there. It's going to be quite a deal. It's called Wings of Freedom Tour. And uh, sorry for all of you that didn't win, but you actually, if you want to make an investment in it, you can go up and you can actually get a ride in one of these amazing World War II birds. So congratulations to John Medford. I think he's just pretty darn excited about that. And uh, uh, always want to say thank you to this great team. Producer Steve, I so appreciate you. Zach, Patty, Keith, thank you for all of the good work that you do. And to all the listeners out there, thank you. I love hearing from you. Uh, continue to sign up for my uh, on my website for all the emails and everything. I I really appreciate you, each one of you, as you go out today. You are you're treasured, you're valued, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're going to go to break. I, I there's a ton. Patty has all kinds of headlines here. There's so much so much news here. Somebody said you th- you should try to do a two hour show, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> We've put so much into this one-hour show, and my hope is is that you know this one hour is going to be jam-packed. You're going to get a lot of great information, and uh, we'll continue to try to get through these headlines as much as we possibly can. But uh, last night was the All-Star Game, and the American League took the game 4-3. to three. And so the Rockies are resting until Friday uh, when the Cincinnati Reds come into town. And, you know, really a great, fun place. I was over, I had lunch at Hooters just last week. But Hooters Restaurants is the place to be for all of these great games. And uh, it's the place to be this summer. You can enjoy Hooters beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. And Hooters has plenty of ice-cold beer options to help you cool down the summer. And I love these lunch specials. Night items for 9 bucks from 11 to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. This is dine-in. But you can choose from nine delicious menu items such as fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, Philly cheesesteak, and, of course, I love those boneless wings. Now, the girls are coming over tonight, and I'm going to get some of that um, barbecue shrimp. They love that, and then I think I'm going to get get a few of those boneless wings as well. And I'm going to hurry because, Steve, normally when I get to the, the table, everything's gone. So I'm going to make sure that I get a few of those. Why does that happen every week? I mean, are you... Too busy being congenial and the hostess. I, I, I'm talking to people. That's it. Yeah. Stop. You got to stop. Yeah. So yeah, this is something we meet. Um, we meet twice a month at my house. It's um, tapas and topics, and we have a number of women's groups that are meeting throughout the state. If you are interested in attending one of them, or if you might be interested in starting one of them, just shoot me an email. Uh, at Kim at Americhicks.com, and um, you know, we'll get you on the list on that. But it's always a lot of fun. We become friends, and we're getting our brains around these important issues. Very quickly, we're going to be talking about electricity. So for our inspiration for today, I thought it would be very fitting to quote Benjamin Franklin, who is credited with discovering electricity. And he says, and we've all heard this, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. 
By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. And, you know, that's one of the things when we talk to Jason McBride, he's always talking about our personal economic well-being. You need to prepare. And uh, so we'll be talking with Jason here in the next break. But as I was putting that there, I was thinking about that. It, you know, it goes across your, your finances, your life. By failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. And then our, our uh, funnies for today. Hey, Steve, how do you think Benjamin Franklin felt after he discovered electricity? Please tell us. Shocked. Oh, so bad. Okay, and on that note, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll have some headlines. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, Always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And man, oh man, we've got a lot of things to have a conversation about. But first of all, uh, Governor Polis had just passed his six-month mark in office, which means that now, at this particular point in time, the recall efforts can start. And so this is from the Colorado Sun. It says, to recall Jared Polis... The critics must get 10,521 voter signatures a day. And this is what else you need to know. So Governor Polis celebrated his first six months in office this last Monday. And his critics marked the day with an effort to recall him from office. The dismissed Polis group received approval to circulate a petition and collect signatures from registered voters to force a special recall election. To do so, the governor's critics must collect, get this, Steve, 631,266 valid signatures in 60 days. That's more than 10,521 per day. The task is so monumental that it's never happened in Colorado, and campaign strategists say it's an impossible goal, particularly with the group's low-dollar budget. Even the dismissed polis organizers acknowledge that the effort is improbable. 
Make no mistake, it's a Herculean task, but that doesn't mean it's not worth doing, spokeswoman Karen Cataline told the Colorado Sun. In the petition approved by the Secretary of State's office, petitioners Arthur Steele Graham and Barbara Ruth Hernandez, who are affiliated with the Dismiss Polis effort, listed four reasons to recall Polis, and they are these. First of all, the measure regarding the National Popular Vote Compact, which would award uh, Colorado's nine electoral votes to the presidential candidate who wins the most votes nationwide. Uh, to break that down, in essence, what this does is this takes Coloradans' voices and our vote, and it gives them to the big population centers, such as Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, um, Philadelphia, you know, all those big population centers. And I don't know about you, but I know that I prefer that my vote and my voice be heard and stay here in Colorado. So, that, so that's number one. Number two, it was uh, Senate Bill 181, which he signed into law, and that is the state's oil and gas laws to require tougher drilling regulations and allow local government control, which basically, uh, Steve, I'm starting to see oil and gas uh, businesses that are moving out of the state. I've talked to people, neighbors who are in the oil and gas business. They are, they're fearful for their livelihoods, for them and their families. And so when you see these politicians say, hey, we're doing all this because we care, I think, I think it's a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> There's other words that are coming to mind, but I think it's a bunch of malarkey. Number three, uh, the new requirements regarding the sexual educational uh, curriculum. Uh, you know, back, back in the day when I went to school, we were trying to learn how to read, write, do arithmetic, have the tools to go out and be able to run a business, to run a household. And uh, it, we weren't really focused on um, the whole physical aspects of what, you know, humans do. We were focused on trying to make ourselves better people, to have the tools so that we could go out and be um, industrious. We could be uh, prosperous and uh, that is one of the things that I'm very concerned about on our education system is where we are focusing. Are we focusing on big ideas or are we focusing just on, on um, kind of the, the human component? I don't know. Comment on that? I guess I do know, but I, I'm just throwing that out there. Well, uh, just the, the displacement of the fundamentals and or the big ideas, they're being displaced by this indoctrination Right. So only so many teaching teachable hours in a day, and here we are taking a piece of that pie and saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna give you some indoctrination here." Yeah, and pushing forward a a particular, if you will, I think it's almost a religion. And you know, I've talked to a number of people, and I was I was thinking about the when we had uh, Kevin Sorbo on last week, and uh, I was talking about this sex education curriculum, where if you've read it. You know, it's, it's astonishing to me. And to your point, there's only a certain number of instruction hours in a day. Where are we focused at? And uh, in this particular curriculum, it's saying that, that they have to teach uh, the experiences, which is, you know, that's just kind of the base, you know, human kind of stuff. I, I was just shocked the experiences of LGBTQ. And I, I don't really think that that is the proper role of government. But when I was mentioning this to Kevin. He said, well, you know, I'm not a prude. People can live how they want to live. And I thought, you know, I need to clarify that as well. Um, as far as I, I don't, 
you know, I have my own stuff going on, so I don't really need to be trying to figure out how other people need to live their lives. Uh, So I have my own stuff going on on that. But where we have this real danger on LGBTQ, and I have friends that are gay who I care deeply about. So individual, you know, individual relationships, yes, care deeply about people. But what has happened with this whole LGTBQ thing is it is a religion that is now being forced in our schools, is being forced in our culture. And then you you go over to Jack Phillips, and uh, what happens is government comes in and says, if you do not affirm something that we say that you have to affirm that you disagree with, then we will use the force of, of law to, to take away your businesses. And you may be celebrating that you know, possibly regarding Jack Phillips. But you know what? We need to stop and beware that, in fact, if that is the case, if they can do that to Jack Phillips, they can do that to you. And there's, that's why there is so much danger in that. So that's one of the reasons. Oh, and then lastly, the red flag measure. Uh, and that is uh, basically that <laughs> that somebody can make an allegation that you need to, uh, that you should not have your um, your firearms and you don't even know it. And uh, uh, law enforcement can come in, basically kind of a no-knock raid. There's no due process. And they can come in and they can take your firearms. And uh, again, if you, you may be thinking, this is a great idea. But if government can do it for that, you know, I'm starting to see all this danger as you take a look at all of these different articles that Patty has put together. Elizabeth Warren, they want to have daycare for every newborn. So government thinks that they may be able to better raise your children than you. So if they can no-knock to come in and take your weapons, next thing they could possibly no-knock and come in and take your kids. And there's something that we really need to be nervous about on that. I did want to give a shout-out to Complete Colorado. Uh, That is a place where um, both Patty and I, when we're starting to, to prepare and take a look at all of these different Um, shows as we start to prepare them, that is a great place to go to start to know what's going on in Colorado. They aggregate news sources from all over the state, and so you can very quickly know what's going on. They update it three times a day. And then also, Steve, and you, it's important to you, you'd like people to know that that banner at the very top, if you click on that, then they have some really great op-eds there. And Joshua Scharf just did a recent piece that was so important. You see, I, I had started... And here we go. He said, uh, he said, uh, let's see, this was in Complete Colorado on the 9th, that Moody's recession readiness analysis is, says that there's a yellow flag for Colorado. A May 20th report by Moody's Analytics comparing this, uh, Colorado's fiscal readiness for the next recession uh, contains some sobering news for Colorado. Most states, including Colorado, fall into the moderately prepared category. And nevertheless, some measures of preparedness are waving yellow flags at us. So uh, as we're looking at these um, politicians and bureaucrats, it looks to me like they need to be doing their jobs. So instead of trying to take more money out of our pockets, they've got plenty of money. The uh, state uh, budget went up over a billion dollars. And uh, so what they need to do is they need to make sure that we are preparing for a rainy day. And um, so with that, though, I want to hear what Jason McBride has to say about that. And then also I wanted to find out, you know, I'd mentioned Jason McBride. First of all, welcome. How are you? Hey, I'm fantastic. Good morning. Well, good morning to you. And interestingly enough, the quote that I found today, I I thought it was very appropriate for what you do, Jason. And that was uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin's 
quote that he said, by failing to prepare, you prepare to fail. And so with that, you know, it's important that people have an accurate financial plan, right? Well, I think it is. And, uh, you know, maybe the, the state people should come and see me. <laughs> I and, think they and should. Can, you know, help them get together something to, uh, to be prepared for a rainy day. But really, that that's what you're doing as uh, personally as well, is you're preparing for a rainy day. That doesn't mean it's a bad day. Uh, it might be you're preparing for a non-rainy day, Kim, and that's when your paychecks stop raining down on you and you have to create your own. I, I think that, that sometimes, you know, the planning process uh, is so boring and so <laughs> tedious, and at the end of it, a lot of times people get this 200-page brick dumped on them in front of a desk with so much data in there that's just repeated over and over. First they show you a pie chart, then they show you a bar charts, then they show you the same information in number tables, and then they show it to you with a bunch of colored lines, and it, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, the way I try to do it and the way we try to do it at Presidential is to build that plan together so you can see how the pieces fit in and how each one kind of brings your ultimate retirement to life where it's easy to understand where your income will come from and what different places it will come from and the uh, the characteristics of those places and i think accuracy is very very important and and i will admit you know i dig down a little bit when i'm meeting with people uh, you know, I really try to make them think about what they're going to want to do and what they're going to need and to get those numbers right. And, Kim, most importantly, one of the questions I always ask is, what is it that you're going to be retiring to? Because a lot of folks are only thinking about what they're going to be retiring from, and those days can feel pretty darn empty uh, if you don't have a plan to fill them up. So it's about more than just the numbers. It's about what are you going to do with your life when you retire. So it's your personal economic prosperity. It's your own personal well-being. And I think that that's, I, I think it's so important that people understand that that's what you and uh, all the fine people over at Pre Presidential Wealth Management specialize in. For more information for all your podcasts, you can find everything at chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. Jason, we will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great show, Kim. Thanks so much. And I cannot wait to talk with Jonathan Lesser. Jonathan Lesser. He is the president of Continental Economics. He has done this piece recently. It's called Short Circuit, the High Cost of Electric Vehicle Subsidies. You will not want to miss this conversation. We will be right back. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. 
follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. I am thrilled to be having a conversation with Jonathan Lesser. He is the president of Continental Economics. He has published a a very important report at the Manhattan Institute uh, titled Short Circuit, the High Cost of Electric Vehicle Subsidies. Jonathan Lesser, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Thanks for having me, Kim. This is such an important piece uh, because we are having such a push here in Colorado to push people out of their uh, the vehicles they like, their internal combustion engines, and pushing them into uh, vehicles that are powered by electricity. And there's all kinds of problems with that. In fact, uh, there was a, just a recent report that says that there's battery, possible battery uh, shortages on these electric vehicles. But let's talk about this piece that you did. Uh, you said that many claim that zero emission vehicles, especially battery po- uh, powered electric vehicles, should replace most, if not all, cars and trucks powered by gasoline burning internal combustion engines. And the primary rationale is to reduce air pollution and carbon dioxide emissions. So take it from there, Jonathan. Well, the the report looked at um, whether the emissions reductions claims were actually true. Uh, and I found that using um, data published by the U.S. Energy Information Administration, which forecasts energy use, vehicles, uh, et cetera, through the year 2050, that when you look at and compare new gasoline vehicles, which are quite clean, with electric vehicles, and you look at the electric uh, electricity mix, you know, the mix of coal, natural gas, renewables, etc., that the EI projects will, will provide electricity, turns out that electric vehicles will emit more pollution. Um, which I thought was very startling, and I thought, no, this can't be right. And so I did the analysis again, and yep, it's true. Um, Now, interestingly, I was, of course, denounced uh, by the folks at the Rocky Mountain Institute uh, over in Snowmass, uh, who uh, denounced the EIA, saying it was biased, uh, saying that, uh, of course, I'm, you know, owned by the Koch brothers, etc., um, they didn't actually look at anything in the analysis. And are, uh, are you owned by the Koch brothers? <laughs> I wish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, okay. But if they're listening, they're happy. They can hire me anytime. Okay. Um, so what the what the report then looked at is uh, I started adding up all of the subsidies that are being provided to electric vehicle purchasers. So those subsidies include you get a $7,500 tax credit uh, as long as, for the first 200,000 vehicles that a manufacturer sells. So, for example, Tesla has has hit that uh, ceiling, and now the its subsidy is going down. Um, but other automakers doing electric vehicles, um, you get a, uh, that subsidy. 
There's state subsidies. And ours is 5000 in Colorado. Well, and you think about somebody buying a $100,000 uh, electric vehicle, uh, they're probably pretty well off and mm-hmm. to afford it. And, and so everyone else is paying them $12,500 uh, to buy that car. Then you get subsidies for all the charging stations that they need. Uh, you subsidize the battery manufacturing plants. Uh, and then for people who uh, want to install solar power on their houses, um, you subsidize all that, and as well as the charging, uh, you know, the charging infrastructure you need at your home to plug in your your vehicle. And, and, and just a note, they're mandating in some of the different metro cities here that all new construction, uh, a new house has a charging station in the garage. And once again, one of the things we talk about, Jonathan, is freedom versus force. So it's forcing that to happen. It increases the cost of the house for people that want to buy it. And uh, it's all these different costs that make housing unaffordable. So that's just another note I wanted to make on that. Well, I, I wasn't aware of that in Colorado, but... Uh you know, and certainly in California, they've mandated that all new homes have to have solar uh, solar panels on them, uh, which is also increasing the cost of housing there even further. Um, so what I did also find out is that, okay, if you look at the forecast, it will, if you go to electric vehicles, there will be a slight reduction in CO2 emissions, but it, it won't matter. You could reduce the entire U.S.'s carbon emissions to zero tomorrow and have no impact on climate, on climate uh, based on all the climate models because everyone else in the world is increasing CO2 emissions. So this is really an issue of, um, you know, the, the lower income folks are having to subsidize wealthy people to buy electric vehicles. Uh, and it just, to me, that's not right. Um, and it's the question then you ask is for what? What is the benefit of this? And there's really no benefit at all. And people also ignore the fact that when you to manufacture all the batteries and all the the materials you need to manufacture batteries, um, that requires a lot of mining, which requires a lot of uh, energy, and a lot of those uh, inputs, the, the the materials you get are mined in China, etc where there are the environmental regulations are lax. So the attitude appears to be, as long as it's in someone else's backyard, we don't care. Well, and interesting, there was a report from Fleet Owner. This was on our headlines today. It says, anxiety rises in U.S. and Europe over EV battery uh, shortages. It says, uh, uh, and this looks like this is from Bloomberg, automakers to trading houses from North America to Europe are becoming more concerned about future supply shortages of key materials needed for electric vehicle batteries as spending on new production soars, according to the developer of a $1.5 billion project in Australia. And it goes on to say that China has had the grip on lithium uh, ion battery cell manufacturing. And so just to kind of on a side note, Jonathan Lesser, here we in America have finally become energy independent in our oil and gas industry. And so we have politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties that now are wanting to push us over to a different energy source. Uh, that actually would be somewhat dependent on China. It seems to me, from a strategic standpoint, that doesn't make sense. Well, it's not just batteries. Uh, all the wind turbines and, and solar cells that they're pushing 
as well require, require rare earth minerals. And China has an almost virtual lock on uh, mining of rare earth minerals because in this country environmentalists have, again, tied up and prevented uh, development of new mines. So you're right, that in, and it is a, it's probably a strategic issue, um, and no one, again, seems to be thinking about that. Well, and so the, the real question on the table, Jonathan Lesser, is why? Why? I don't understand it. They say that it's because of climate change, but again, in your report at the Manhattan Institute, uh, the title is Short Circuit, the High Cost of Electric Vehicle Subsidies. I, I don't understand why. They say it's because of, of climate change, but yet, as you looked at the numbers, you're saying that it really doesn't make a difference. So th- that's the question on the table. Why? Well, I think the simple answer is follow the money. Uh, oh. You've got green energy advocates uh, who get all sorts of subsidies from the government. So they're pushing it, and they're pushing uh you know, the climate emergency or whatever the word is, the, the phrases these days, um, to get more subsidies. Uh, electric vehicle manufacturers, uh, you know, Tesla has provided, if you look at Tesla's annual reports, the amount of money they earn from selling emissions credits, mm-hmm. it's hundreds of millions of dollars per year. That's what that's keeping the company afloat. Um, so, you know, I think the, the, the cynical view is it's less about the environment and more about, uh, you know, uh, feeding at the government trough. Uh, and, you know, politicians want to do the same thing. They may get uh, um, campaign contributions from these people to represent their interests. Um, and the other thing is it's climate change has ended up it's becoming more of a religious issue, not a scientific one. So, you know, that's why again I was denounced for my research. No one the Rocky Mountain Institute didn't uh challenge the research. They never said anything about did I do something wrong, my you know, what or identify what's wrong. I'm happy if someone says, "Look, you did something wrong. Here's where. Here's why." And I've had people do that, and I'm grateful to them. But when people simply don't look at a, a finding and don't like it and then denounce you as somehow evil, um, that that proves to me that this isn't about uh, uh, rational analysis and evaluation. This is about uh, basically just religion. Oh, boy. That is, uh, I think you nailed it there. Not about rational analysis. Jonathan Lesser, this is absolutely fascinating. Let's go to break. When we come back, uh, let's continue to break down this piece that you have done for the Manhattan Institute, the short circuit, the high cost of electric vehicle subsidies. Uh, You're right on, I think, on follow the money. Uh, And uh, I think we need to figure out how we can converse with our neighbors and our colleagues and our kids that are home from school about this important issue. So let's go to break. We'll be right back with Jonathan Lesser, president of Continental Economics. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. 
Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, July 5th through Thursday, July 11th, features will include Toy Story 4, Godzilla and Aladdin. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special? Get one 12 inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16 ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Americhicks.com. And welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. And just a note, uh, when you hear these different advertisers uh, on my show, as as many of you know, I buy my own time, so uh, I find my own advertisers, and I, I really appreciate them. Karen Levine, who was uh, just highlighted in that last break, when we talk about somebody that is a- actually out there working diligently for private property rights, she is a woman that is doing that. She spends an enormous amount of time. She's on the uh, board of the National Realtor Association, and she gives a lot of her time and energy to assure that people have the opportunity of home ownership. And uh, so be sure if you're going to buy or sell your house, she's the person to talk to. Now, thrilled to have on the line with me, Jonathan Lesser. Now, Jonathan, this whole issue is so important to me because mobility, the, the freedom for people to be able to go where they want to, when they want to, in an affordable, efficient, responsible manner, I think is inherent in freedom. So this whole push to put people into electric vehicles, as you mentioned, it's a follow the money kind of a thing. And when I came across this really important piece, uh, my researcher Patty had found this, that you did for the Manhattan Institute. This is very extensive. How long did it take you to do this report? Uh, I worked on it uh, probably six months. Okay. And you have uh, almost, what, two or three pages of just all the different sources that you used. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I um, I used, uh, I wanted to rely on public, publicly available forecasts from the Energy Information Administration uh, because that's, a government agency that's pretty well respected, despite the, what the Rocky Mountain Institute says, as being nonpartisan, uh, and because it's publicly available. So rather than using some sort of private forecast or my own forecast that no one can really verify, um, I wanted to use the EIA uh, data because their entire forecasting methodology is available. All the, all the documentation can be reviewed. Um, their forecasts are publicly available. Anyone can see it. Um, and that was important to me. I think that's the way to make these things more uh, accessible and uh, for people of you know, whatever stripe want to validate it, uh, they can go look at the data. Um, 
one other thing I wanted to mention to you, which uh, about electric vehicles, is their performance in uh, extreme weather. Which ah, uh, yes. in Colorado, you you know, there's uh, I think there's something called snow there. I, there uh, is. Sometimes it gets cold. Well, electric. One thing I looked at is perform battery performance, and it turns out that when the weather is very cold or very hot, battery performance degrades significantly. And so that 200-mile range uh, electric vehicle, you may only get 100 miles of range because battery performance degrades uh, in, in, uh, when weather temperatures are extreme. Um, and it also shortens the life of the batteries. So, uh, again, that's something that no one ever wants to talk about, uh, but uh, the research has de- certainly demonstrated that. And so people in, in uh, say, uh, the Denver area in January may find that they're going around on electric vehicles that uh, uh, suddenly they're running out of power uh, a lot faster than they thought. Well, and you talk about congestion on the roads. If you have a bunch of cars that aren't moving uh, because uh, they no longer have the the battery range, uh, and I think they call it battery anxiety or range ra- anxiety range, or something. It's called range anxiety. Yeah. Um, you know, that's going to be a real problem. A couple of things, though. First of all, how about disposing of these batteries? Nobody ever talks about that. Isn't there going to be some environmental challenges and impacts with that? Yeah, there's environmental issues associated with both battery manufacture and final battery disposal. Uh, And and, uh, doing both takes energy. And again, you have to look at, well, what is it uh, if you, I think there have been some studies of of what are called life cycle uh, comparisons of CO2 emissions for electric vehicles versus gasoline-powered vehicles, and it finds that... uh, over their lifetime, including the manufacturing uh, and disposal, it's, there's more CO2 emissions. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's going to create an issue. Uh, the other thing is, to if you try to imagine replacing all the vehicles in this country with batteries, there's 200 million vehicles in this country, um, it's, there's simply not enough battery manufacturing capacity. You'd have to build uh, uh, so many more of these Tesla gigafactories in Nevada, Nevada that's uh, uh, been developed. Um, it's just not, not going to be possible. Well, and the other question about batteries is how long does it take to recharge a battery? Well, it depends. The, the chargers, the in-house chargers that they're probably installing in, in, um, in the Denver area are probably take overnight. Um, you can get, uh, and they're starting to, to install these very high-voltage, high-current chargers. Uh, so, you know, maybe you can re- uh, recharge your be- vehicle in an hour uh, or charge it halfway in 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. Um, these are they're very expensive. Um, they they do charge much faster. But the other problem that these fast charging devices they shorten battery life. Uh, batteries don't like to be charged and discharged very rapidly. Uh, so that's why you know your battery charger at home. You might have one for a car battery. It tends to be uh, a, what's called a trickle charge. It goes very slowly. So if you try to do it fast. Again, that will cut down the life of the battery. 
You know, Jonathan Lesser, you know, everyday hardworking people. You know, time is money to many of them. And so to be able to, to, to travel where you want to, when you want to, in the vehicle that you want to, and then, you know, when you need to get fuel, you know, you stop into a, uh, a gas station, it takes you five or ten minutes, and then you're on your way. For these politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties, and I think you're spot on, this is follow the money. And it goes back to, uh, we, we have three questions that we talk about at the beginning of the show um, a millennial, Stephen Kessler, he's PhD, but talking about socialism, the three questions he says, first of all, do you have any skin in the game? Second of all, are we bringing people up or are we yanking them down? And you felt good, but you did good. And that you, you can take those questions all around this whole electric vehicle force thing that's going on in Colorado because we're mirroring what's going on in California. Uh, we had Governor Hickenlooper before he uh, went out of office. He issued an executive order regarding mandating an, the number of sales of low emission vehicles. And then Governor Pola, shortly after he got into office, he did an executive order to mandate people to get into zero emission vehicles. So in essence, government is trying to force people into vehicles that don't work for their lifestyles, that they don't want, and 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 if if people don't buy those vehicles, then the dealer's going to get dinged, which means they're going to have to increase the price of the vehicle that people want that works for them in order to, again, subsidize. And you mentioned this money that's been going to Tesla, all of these energy credits that uh, these, these dealers would, would buy. There's only one place they can get these energy credits, and it's from Tesla. And you can see government, big government working with big business, Tesla here, to pad their pockets. And um, I find that really frustrating, Jonathan. The lesser. Well, the other issue to think about uh, in a state like Colorado, it's, it's also an urban versus rural issue. Um, if you get out, and a lot of Colorado is very rural, it's mountainous. Um, electric vehicles aren't going to work well for ranchers uh, and farmers. Uh, for people who have to drive 100 miles to get anywhere, um, an electric vehicle is not going to work. Um, and so you have people in urban settings where other alternatives are available or they don't drive very far at all. Um, they, are, they essentially want to impose their rules, uh, their lifestyle on everyone else in other areas of the state and in the country. And uh, what's surprising to me is that a lot of these people in urban areas either don't care about what people who don't live there live in rural areas uh, have to deal with, or they just seem to, um, you know, they just denigrate people in rural areas. And uh, uh, having lived in the country, I lived in southern Colorado for a while, out uh, towards La Vida and the Spanish Peaks, um, you know, I, I just I look at the roads there and, and what uh, people are doing, and I just think no electric vehicle is going to work here. It's, it's just it's impossible. Well, and so that goes to Stephen Kessler's last question. You felt good, but did you do good? So these people are patting themselves on the back. They say they're doing something for the environment. When, in essence, the three things that uh, your key findings on your report, uh, people need to take a quick look at that. We're, we're just about out of time. We have a minute. What would be your final thought that you want to leave with our listeners today? Uh, Jonathan Lesser, you are the president of Continental Economics, your important piece. Short circuit the high cost of electric vehicle subsidies at the Manhattan Institute. What's the last thought you'd like to leave with our listeners? I, I guess what I would tell the listeners is um, look at the facts. Um, 
you know, do the look at the analysis and then follow the money. And that will tell you what's really going on. And I think to the other point, when uh, in at the, you were denigrated at the uh, Rocky Mountain Institute up in Snowmass, they didn't they didn't go into the battle of ideas with you. They just tried to to, to blow you off because they wanted to uh, um, you know not not have people look further. But I would highly recommend that people take a look at this short. Yeah, my circuit. research was challenging their narrative. You got it, and and thank you for doing that, Jonathan Lesser. I'd love to have you back again. Well, thank you. I've got a new report coming out today from the Manhattan Institute on the future of nuclear power. So I'd encourage any interested listeners to go to the Manhattan Institute uh, website and they can uh, have a look at that. Fantastic. Thank you, Jonathan Lesser. And uh, today, Benjamin Franklin, he said, without continual growth and progress, such words as improvement, achievement, and success have no meaning. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals. And like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. And I don't